Okay, welcome everybody. Thank you, Jimmy, for that prayer a moment ago. Um, this is a class entitled How Ordinary People Can Learn to Be Brave. And I think uh, that sometimes uh, when we run across the word courage or run across the word bravery, uh, we kind of dismiss that. That's for, that's for uh, uh, special forces. That's for Green Berets. That's for people who are acting as heroes on trains that are being overtaken by thugs. Uh, but not for people like you and me, not for ordinary people. But I do think that in regular life, there are things that we run into and situations we encounter and mess where we need to take a step and we're kind of nervous. In fact, we're scared. And that's just pretty normal. And so I'm going to use the word bravery. I'm going to use the word courage almost interchangeably. We could spend a very irrelevant night talking about the difference and just, you know, tweaking all of that. And I'm not sure what good that would do. I'm going to use those interchangeably tonight and throughout the next, whatever it is, six weeks. And hopefully this will be helpful. Uh, It's Wednesday night. Um, Some of you just got back from work. Some of you left work and came here. Some of you ate and don't quite remember what you ate because it it all happens so fast and then you're here. You need to know on Wednesday night, there are people who you will see with their eyes closed. These people are in prayer. (laughs) They may be next to you. They, they, They may be down the road from you. It could be that that person is in your seat. Uh, but I'm not worried about that. And if you need to rest for a minute, that's okay. And we'll be here hopefully when you wake up or we'll wake you up before we leave. We're going to be in second Corinthians, second Corinthians one. I want to read a passage of scripture. I've got things in front of me here, which, uh, I almost need help with some kind of navigator because I've got the clicker. And I've got these notes, a quote I want to read, another quote I want to read, a few questions. But the most important thing I've got is my watch. And I'll try to keep an eye on it occasionally. And if I need to look at it more often, point to me and I'll be sure and check it because sometimes I just kind of forget. Do I have an alarm? I don't. Uh, Probably need it, Betty, but help me. Um, So... Your notes, as usual, probably have more than we'll cover. That's okay. I'd rather uh, do that than uh, just kind of come up short in 10 minutes and go, whoops, that's it. Um, So we got probably got more, and I'm not worried about that. And We're not going to do some rush job so that somehow we can cover all the – that's not what we're doing. So uh, the main objective is for this to be helpful, helpful. Okay, and so as we read the Bible, as we talk about this, as I read a few quotes, that is the objective. So if you can find a nugget somewhere that's helpful, that'd be good. And uh, if you don't, let me know and I'll try harder next time. But I think I think this might be helpful. Okay, we're going to read the first chapter, a portion of the first chapter of Second Corinthians. And this is the Apostle Paul. Uh, writing to the church at Corinth. Um, I've got a friend uh, in Florence. Um, sometimes uh, I was talking to her husband the other night. She was, some, I think I was on speakerphone. She was in the room and I could hear her making comments as I would talk. And uh, I told her I quoted her not long ago. 
And I said, I didn't call your name, Darice, which is her name. I didn't call her name. I said that because it's now on, it's on recording, and I think they may listen to one of these. Uh, sometimes we'll be talking about things that are just not going right, and she'll just say, it's just mess, mess, mess. Well, this church has been a mess. Um, you read 1 Corinthians, and, and you almost want to blush. Go, well, you may blush going through some of that. And you go, oh, my word, listen to what some of these people are doing. And we've kind of all gotten used to that, and we blow through that, and it doesn't even phase us. And, but it, it's a mess. And by the time you get to 2 Corinthians, and I'm leaving out a whole lot here, um, 2 Corinthians, Paul is basically uh, being accused of not being the real deal. Okay? You're not being real. You're not, he, they're accusing him of being fake or phony or not, not, not an authentic apostle, okay? And so some of this in 2 Corinthians is a defense of his ministry. It's a defense of, of what he's about. Uh, so, you know, a little, little bit of the context, okay? And at the later end of 2 Corinthians, there's going to be this appeal uh, for, for a gift. So 2 Corinthians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Those may be, those two words may be references to the work of Jesus, compassion or mercies and comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. We'll have to come back to that, who comforts us in all our troubles. So that, if I... I I uh, had to get a new Bible the other day, lost mine, maybe here at this Highland building. And I, but but uh, if, I were, if, I were, if I were highlighting, I would highlight so that. So that's a purpose statement. So that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, this is where I want to stop and say, was that necessary? Sharing abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. I got enough problems. Sharing abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. So also our comfort abounds through Christ. Oh, going back to that. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. We'll, we'll, we'll get the shovel in a minute and kind of dig through pieces of that, but just a few more verses. <coughs> we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. Don't want you to be uninformed about the, quote my friend, the mess we've been going through in the province of Asia. We were 
under great pressure. You just let that kind of wash over you for a moment. Does that, that, does that ring a bell? There have been times when, as you faced some sort of situation, you felt under great pressure. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure. So that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not only, oops, this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. And he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers And then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. What an interesting way to start off a book. Okay? And basically starts off the book by saying, we've been through a lot of mess. And that mess, the sufferings of Christ, there's a sense in which we share that with Jesus. But we've also experienced a great deal of comfort an abundance of comfort, much like what he experienced. Now, on the screen are these words, today you can rely on God, today. I believe this is Wednesday, today you can rely on God. What I would like to do, there's a part of me what I'd like to do is to X out the word today and just leave the phrase, you can rely on God, and we can all talk about that in theory. It's it's a lot more fun to go to a Bible class that's just theoretical. And then we can talk about how folks ought to trust God. And of course, that's right. Folks ought to trust God, and they ought to do this, and they ought to do that. And we can just do that and do that and do that and, and walk away and feel like we've had, you know. But that's not, we don't live with distance. In, this is, today is where we live. And today we often find ourselves on the other end of a phone where I'm needing to say something and I'm nervous to say what I believe is the right thing to say to this person. Today is the day I've got the appointment to see the doctor and I'm scared out of my mind he's going to tell me I am really sick. Today is the day I'm dealing with that knothead brother-in-law where once again he's dug a big hole and he's wanting me to get him out today. Today is the day where we live. Is everybody with me? Today's the day where we live. I wish this, you know, there's a part of me, I just sort of wish this could be theoretical and we could just relax and go, oh, we'll just talk about, well, we live, this is today and tomorrow will be Thursday, but we'll call it today, right? Tomorrow we'll call it today, Thursday, and we'll deal with life and deal with walking with God. Well, this passage is real helpful uh, because Paul tells us he's been through, I'm going to quote my friend again, a lot of mess. Look at these words that come out of chapter one. Suffering, distress, hardships, living under great pressure, despairing of life, feeling the sentences of death, and deadly peril. So, 
you might could pick a word out of that and you could say, well, that's my today word, living under great pressure. Maybe not. But if you were to, and we did a little of this this last week, but some of you weren't here last week, and I just want to do this for a few moments. So maybe these are not the challenges and pressures and stresses that we face today, but what, what, are, what are they that we face today? Just words. What are they we face today? We face old age. Old age, and, and my body is not working as well. My friends are dying. I'm going to more funerals that I'm comfortable going to. And I'm reminded of my own mortality. What else do we face today? Just, if you want to talk about other people now, it's okay. Uh, what do other people deal with or, or, or folks like us today? Kids. Kids. Now, some of us, we got little kids. There are all these challenges there at school. Some of us have older kids. Some of us have kids with mortgages, and we're trying to figure that out. And how do you deal with them? Uh, so, so our children, what else challenges today? We live in the small world where not only do we know what's happening in our town, we know what's happening across the ocean. Yeah, we live in a very, very small world, very connected world. And there's parts of that that we like. And parts of that, that are, it's just a different world. What else today? The, the challenges in life and ministry. Finances. Finances. Money or lack of it. No. It's just interesting the number of high school kids that say one of their great fears is that they will not have enough money to survive um, in, in this culture. Well, later on, we'll read, uh, let's, let's look at 2 Corinthians 2, just be reminded of this, I guess. 2 Corinthians 6, I know I said 2, but 6. Here's another list, okay? Paul says, he talks about, you know, relying on God in this first chapter. Talks about relying on God, and then we get to 6. We put no, this is verse 3, we put no stumbling block in anyone's past so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. Here comes the list. This is the mess that he's dealt with. In great endurance, in troubles, hardships, and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, Purity, understanding, patience, and kindness in the Holy Spirit. This is all sounding good. And in sincere love and truthful speech and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. Oh, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters. Known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. There's another list in chapter 11 about being beaten and shipwrecked and on and on and on. When somebody said, talks about relying on God, here's the, this is going to be like a test, so if you're not in prayer yet, 
think about this test here. Here, here it is. Somebody says, you can rely on God. And, and over here, we can start over here. Well, that's easier said. Oh, you went in and did it. That's okay. You, you read ahead. It, it's easier said than done. Now, doesn't that say, now, so if we say that, it's easier said than done. What's, where does that put us? Sometimes we, we like to say that. I don't know, but where does that put us after we say that? Huh? Sometimes it puts us in a hard place. And sometimes things are said that are very true, even though they may be hard, right? No. So go back to chapter one for a moment. Let's look at that. Um, we're going to need to talk about bless your heart, people. But let's look again at uh, chapter one of Second Corinthians. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. This word is used a lot in this first section. God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we, re- we ourselves receive from God. And on and on and on. Uh, there's a commentary written by uh, Nigel Watson, commentary on 2 Corinthians. And he's got a little interesting note where he talks about what's happened to the word comfort. I'm going to read part of this. He says, uh, he's talking about the original language now. He says, while the precise accent varies in different contexts, it's used in the New Testament. These words refer to a more invigorating activity than is suggested by the English word consolation or comfort. The latter rendering goes all the way back to Wycliffe, John Wycliffe. Comfort in modern English is a word that has gone soft. But in Wycliffe's day, it was closely connected with its root, the Latin fortis, which means brave, strong, and courageous. Brave, strong, and courageous. All right, let's do Bless Your Heart. Uh, preached at Millington, and you heard this. Uh, my friend Lou is here, our friend Lou is here from Mill- Millington Church, and preached part of this uh, Sunday morning. When you think about Bless Your Heart, by the way, do you all say that? I say that. Do you all say that? Bless Your Heart? All right. I'm not sure why I say that, but I, Michael, I say Bless Your Heart. And so, uh, one of our little grandkids comes in, he falls down. I said, bless your heart. But I hurt. Huh? But I hurt. Okay. Bless your heart. Uh, you, you know, I see somebody putting out a lot of effort and I said, well, bless her heart. Do that. And you say, you, you see somebody that just doesn't seem to show much sense and you go, bless their hearts. Bless their hearts. Well, there's a kind of comfort that we talk about sometime, and it's, it's kind of a, I don't know, sort of an acknowledgement of, I, I don't know, I feel for you or something. Uh, you, you know, uh, I was thinking the other day, used to ride my bike down Alhambra Street a lot, always dressed in full uniform, white T-shirt and cut-off jeans. And I, one of the last wrecks I can remember having on that bike was at the corner of Tillman and Houghton Lane, and it had been raining, and I was going way too fast. 
and I tried to turn and my bike flipped out from under me. And I can remember just my knees scraping across that street. And I, I got on my bike, I looked down and my knees were bloody and I went back home and I'm looking for mama. And mama, 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 I'm not looking for my daddy, I'm looking for my mama. And she's gonna look at me and go, bless your heart. And, and then she's going to get out that nasty iodine and whatever else and put that on me. And, you know, and I'm sitting in her lap. Well, that's really good, you know, but that's not comfort in 2 Corinthians 1. Everybody get this. Comfort in 2 Corinthians 1 is the kind of, of blessing and encouragement that enables us to go on. So when you read about comfort in 2 Corinthians 1, after that, you read chapter after chapter after chapter where Paul is in the mess of life and he goes on and he's trusting in the comfort of God. Now, what, I, what we're trying to do on a Wednesday night when we're tempted to close our eyes and, and or, or we're just hungry or whatever it is and wonder, you know, am I going to be... What we're wanting to do is find something that would be helpful. Well, what, what would be helpful would, would be something that would enable me to take that next right step in my life, in that situation we're dealing with, whatever it is. Well, I, I need the comfort of God to be able to do that. I need to know that God is behind me, that God is going to enable me to be courageous or, or enable me to be brave. All I mean by bravery and, and, and being a person of courage is when you just kind of take that next step that you ought to take with that knucklehead brother-in-law or that thing you need to be saying, whatever it is you need to say to someone or whatever it is in your life, that very next right step. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 1 again. Um, and, and let's look at a few of these verses, and then I want to ask a few questions. Uh, oh, I want, to, I want to stop and read this. There is this wonderful little book I haven't read, but I've read these reviews, and I've read, a, read pieces of it. The book is entitled On Reading Well by Karen Swallow Pryor. Uh, she is an English professor. If you have any love for the English language or you, you taught English, you might enjoy this. But there's a fine little piece in here on courage, and I want to read this to you for a moment. Virtuous courage is more than boldness for boldness sake. Courage, everybody get this, courage is measured not by the risk it entails, but by the good it preserves. That's very important. I want to take the next right step in my life, not because I'm a daredevil, but it's because I'm trying to do good. Does that make any sense? Or I'm trying to take a step of faith, or I'm trying to trust God. She writes, I think this may be on your notes. Yeah, the person who is virtually, look at the top of your notes, the per person who is virtuous, Betty, you're going to say that for me. Virtuously courageous displays not merely a single act of courage, but the habit of courage. The habit of courage. 
Courage or fortitude, as it is often called, is defined most succinctly by moral philosophers and theologians as the habit that enables a person to face difficulties well. What does it mean to face something? What makes something difficult? What makes something difficult for you? Or if you want to talk about other people, talk what makes difficult something difficult for them. Just don't throw some words. What makes something difficult? Something I need to I need to do or say, or an action I need to take. What makes that difficult? What others may think. Good, David. What else? What makes it difficult? I may not feel capable. Keep going. I may not have done this before. What else? I might fail. What else? It takes my time. Yeah. What else? What makes it difficult? It's out of my comfort zone. What makes something difficult? And what does it mean to face a difficulty well? So we can really be tempted to rely on ourselves, can't we? Look at number two. What does life look like when you or somebody else is basically relying on yourself? What does that look like? What does life look like when I'm relying on myself? It's a lot of pressure. It's exactly right. What else? I missed you. A mess. Yes, I just couldn't find you. A mess. What else? I'm going to have to accept full responsibility. It it can become a burden. Keep going. I know I'm going to probably fail. Okay. I, I can be tempted to rely on myself, and maybe I see that I have a certain strength or a certain, there's a certain plus, you know, in, in my life, and I can, be t- I can be tempted to kind of camp there. For instance, I see myself as a pretty smart person. Uh, you know, I you go back to eighth grade, and you blew the top out of the math cra- class or whatever it is, and you went on, you got some academic degrees and all, and, and, and you see yourself as, as, as kind of intelligent. I had a person in a church years ago. She came up to me after church, and she had the highest academic degree, degree of anybody in this church. And she said, do you think I intimidate people? And I, was, and I wanted to ask her. I was a young minister, but I, was, I thought later, what an interesting question to ask. But it's easy to do that, to see, well, maybe I'm the smartest one in the room. So I, I kind of re- rely on that. Or maybe I rely on my training. Do y'all know where I went to college? You know what kind of training I, you do know he went to Europe to, to, to college. You, you do. And so I'm relying on my training. And, and if I'm not careful, I can think that because of my training, surely I ought to be able to pretty well handling her and comes along. Number three, I rely on my experience. I've been an elder 97 years in this church. And I, I know a few things, or I've been a deacon, you know, 
43, whatever it is, or I've taught Bible school a long time. And so I'm, I'm, my experience, y'all listen, I mean, I can rely on my resources. Y'all seen what I'm driving? My goodness, my resources. Pray for us. We don't know which house we ought to sell. We got five. My resources. And so, you know, I find that people are kind of paying attention to me because my resources, it seems like they're a lot. Look at this next one. My network. You, you know who I saw? He went to lunch with the other day. I walked in there. He was right there with my, I've never seen that guy, but on television, there he was. They're like they're old friends. He knows important people. Ooh. Remember that church one day I was preaching there, a little church. We we just falling all over ourselves because the school superintendent walked in. I mean, you know, and somebody knew him. Well, Reese, some or or my gifts, my gifts. He prays a good prayer, and just just you, you know, got got those gifts going. Well, what's wrong with any of that? None of nothing wrong with it. In fact, can be very good and helpful. The problem is when we are so tempted to rely on these things. You know what I'm saying? If only we had a. More money, if only we had more people, if only we had this and that. Well, the truth is maybe we're relying on the wrong thing. Paul says, we learn to rely, look at your Bible again. We learn to rely not on ourselves, verse 9, but on God who raises the dead, who raises the dead. In him we have set our hope that, we will continue, that he will continue to deliver us. Uh, look at your notes again, if you would. I want four statements out of this text I want us just to pay attention to. Number, this is number three, letter A. God comforts us in all our troubles and allows us the capacity to comfort others. And allows us the capacity or gives us, maybe that should be expressed that way, gives us the capacity to to comfort us, others. So God comforts me, and in God's comfort, I get courage, encouragement, strength to take that next right step in my life. And God uses you and me to do the same thing with other people. You ever left a conversation with somebody? Maybe it's over a cup of coffee or something. or And there's been something that you've needed to do or wanted to do or just a hard conversation you needed to have with somebody you cared about. And after that conversation with that woman or that man, you went and did it. There was just some, I don't know, you just, you felt like the Lord just used you or used that person to give you the kind of encouragement and strength that you were able to take that next right step. I was on the phone last night with my friend, Will, and uh, my friend, Will, who who didn't grow up in a Christian home, didn't have a, a lot of the blessings like that that our children have had. 
but he has become such a godly man. He's, uh, he's only, he's in his 30s, married. They got one, two, three kids, I think. And uh, his, uh, his wife's stepdad passed away uh, suddenly of a heart attack, and I was there to, and participated in that funeral a few weeks ago. I was talking to Will last night. And, and Will was talking about a couple of distant family members that he didn't know all that well. But he said, I was looking at them and I thought, I wonder if they feel out of place with all the rest of the family. And you know what he did? Tall, lanky guy walked up to them and said, I want you to know, I am so glad, we are so glad you're here. And you're a part of us. He was speaking for his mother-in-law and the rest of the family. I was so proud of him. You know, it was just, it was just a, a very important moment, a very tender moment that God used him. God, in many ways, has given him comfort, encouragement, strength, courage, and he, in turn, is passing that on to some other people. Look at the next one. B, God gives us the opportunity to share in Christ's sufferings even as our comfort abounds in Christ. I love the, I love the expression here. Our, our comfort abounds in Christ. The encouragement received abounds in Christ. We've, had, we've been to a few church... You know, so I've been, you know, preached for a long time. Well, we, I feel like we've been to a million church dinners. Dinner on the ground, dinner on the table, dinner on the, I mean, it's just all these church dinners. Every once in a while, we've been to a church dinner where Charlotte, who's right there, she was, Charlotte will come up to me and she'll say, there's not much food. You might want to go light on the meat. <laughs> And so, you know, I'll either avoid the meat or get a little speck or something, you know. And, and I, you know, I'm, I'm so glad she's got those kind of sensitivities that her husband doesn't. And, and I'm glad, you know, she passed that on. Do you know when you deal with God, he's got more. He's got more going on. He's got more resource available than you could ever need, or ask for. In fact, I love this, this, the way this is put here. Uh, even as our comfort abounds in Christ, abounds in Christ. It's like going to the church dinner and you're going, good grief, I can't believe this. Table after table after table. They bring a lot of food. This is God. There is so much available for his people. Number three, God's comfort overflows so that we can minister to others. Do we need to be reminded of this? Yes. What, I love what you said about, well, go, Larry, about, uh, uh, we're talking about, what are we talking about anyway? You referred to it might take our time. You know, there's a part of us we, we kind of gauge all of life and just what goes on by how it affects me. 
it's all about me, you know, my comfort, my, you know, is this church doing anything for me? Is this, well, it's all, and it's easy to do that, isn't it? You just kind of, you know, you look at this, am I getting anything out of this class on Wednesday night? I don't know. And just, it's very easy to just have this perspective that I'm kind of the center of the universe. You know, we're all going to go out to eat at home. And what's the objective? Make daddy happy. Really? It's all about me. No. Paul says, look at this. Where does he go? Paul says number three, or, number, or letter C, God's comfort overflows. There are plenty of tables here, lots of food. Why? So that we can minister or serve others. And then finally, God continues to deliver us in ministry, even as others pray for us. All right. Well, what do you think... How are we doing on time? We're not. Um, look at the back, if you would. Uh, under the take-home. Look at the back under the take-home. I want to respect your time. Um, one of the things I ask sometimes, you know, I was teaching this class, or no, preaching a sermon one time, and I asked Charlotte afterward, I said, well, how was that? And she said, I'm not sure what we were trying to say. <laughs> and the reason she wasn't sure what we were trying to say, I wasn't sure what we were trying to say because it was just so disjointed. I want to tell you, if you leave here tonight and don't get anything else, that's what we're trying to say. We can rely on God. We can rely on God. We can rely on God. Uh, four suggestions for whatever this is worth. Uh, I, th I find it helpful in my own life to acknowledge my default. Is my default basically a reliance on myself? Some of us have sort of a default, and here's what I mean by that. Um, when I get up in the morning, uh, I'm not thinking, step one, go to the bathroom. Step two, make the coffee. Step three, get your Bible. I don't think about all that. All of a sudden, I'm in the bathroom. I'm out of there. I'm making co I mean, it's just automatic. Well, we kind of have a default like that sometimes when it comes to just life. Any, can any of y'all go negative in seconds? Oh, brother, you see what he, she said? I'll bet they're trying to run us off. And if they're trying to run us off, well, where exactly are we going to go to church? Well, there's no church around here. We can go, and you, boy, before you know it, the hole is just deeper. And you've done that in seconds. There are people, our default can become, some of us could just go negative within seconds. Some of us have a default of, I'm just not good enough. I just don't do it right. It'll just never work. Well, what I want to do is just acknowledge my default. I want to say, for instance, if it's true, Lord, you know, I'm so tempted to think it's all up to me. You just acknowledge that. And then, number two, I want to vocalize the truth of God's promise. I do this sometimes in the early in the mornings. I'll say, Lord, I feel down this morning because I'm worried about the day, something of the day. But 
I know you're with me. That may sound kind of goofy, but I'll say that I'll say that aloud. Not, I mean, Charlotte's not up then, but I'll say that aloud. Just me and the cup of coffee. Lord, you know I'm getting all tight inside. But Lord, help me to remember you are not going to leave me. I'll say that because sometimes if we don't remember to verbalize the truth, we just get sucked in by the default. And here we go. Number three, envision what it might feel like to be confident of God's provision and care and power in this situation. So let's say uh, you're going to have a situation uh, where I'm talking to an adult child and it's going to be kind of a difficult conversation. I used to think about this with my teenagers like this. Now, what I might do is I might I might think I might think to myself, you know, it's going to feel feel really good when I'm on the other side of that conversation. And when I know that regardless of how she responds, God is with me and I'm loved by God. Sometimes you have to have hard conversations with the kids, right? Does that make any sense? Just envision what that would be like. Sometimes if I'm going to have a real, a sense that I'm going to have a stressful day, I'll just think, man, at the end of the day, after all that stuff is over, I am going to go home and I have a wife that loves me, I have people that care about me, and most of all, I've got a God that loves me. Just acknowledge something. I, I find these things, I'm just telling you what's helpful to me. You do what you want, but these three have been helpful to me. Here's number four. Take the next right step, knowing that God will provide deliverance from trouble, verse 10, or deliverance in trouble. I put verse 11, it probably ought to be seven. Uh, deliverance from trouble. Um, okay. So, well, look at verse 10. Um, he has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. So sometimes we are delivered from bad things. Have you noticed that? So you get sick or a loved one gets sick and you pray for them and you pray for them. And then they go to the doctor and the doctor says, you are not sick anymore. Okay? And so, wow, I, I, I was in trouble, and now I'm not in trouble, apparently. Delivered from. Delivered from. That makes sense? Delivered from. Sometimes we are delivered in. In. In these sufferings. Some, for instance... Um, you're in all kinds of hot water financially. You pray and pray and pray about it. And after you pray, you're still in hot water financially. But God won't let you go. God delivers you, not delivers you from, but delivers you in spite of, in spite of. Sometimes in life we pray for things and the bad things go away. 
sometimes we pray for things and the bad things don't go away, but God delivers us in those things. Does that make any sense? Now, if all we're doing is praying from, Lord, deliver me from this thing, well, sometimes things go away. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes we pray for people to get well, and sometimes they don't get well. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. Our deliverance is not dependent upon whether just from, but God delivers us in. Sometimes you're in a mess. Everybody been in a mess before, I assume. Sometimes you pray and pray and pray for years, and your mess is still there. But you're being delivered in that mess. God's not letting you go. God's not giving up on you. God's still sustaining you and providing for you. That makes sense. Well, look at the, the, the last few lines. God's comfort will help you deal with the mess in life. God's comfort will keep you focused on your hope. Focused on your hope. God's comfort will give you stamina. Stamina. Paul uses the word patient endurance in chapter 1. Patient endurance. God's comfort will make you brave. And again, what I mean by that is just taking the next right step that you ought to take in, in any situation. God's comfort will give you courage. God's comfort will give you backbone. How about that? Okay. Thanks for being here. Um, We'll kind of keep on this theme next week, not in this chapter, but somewhere else. And uh, just tonight, if